Hebrews chapter 12 is divided into several sections. And we've been studying that. <clears throat> the first division, Jesus our example. An acrostic on <clears throat> the name of Jesus might go like this, J, Jehovah I am. E, endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. The S, sacrifice of his blood. The U, unfailing, understanding friend. The S, savior from sin. And then last week we talked about Jesus, our discipline. Whom the Lord loveth, he, he chastiseth. He scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye be without chastisement, whereof are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. And then we come to verse 18, Jesus our refuge. Look at this. For you're not come unto the mount that might be touched, that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. So he says, first of all, in Jesus we have someone who is a refuge. We don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to run. In the Old Testament, this passage is referring to Sinai. And when the children of Israel came to Sinai and God told Moses to come up into the mountain, that mountain shook with smoke and blaze. The people were afraid. And they were not even to touch it. No one was to come near it. No animal was to come near it. And Moses was on that mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And he received the law of God written by the finger of God on stone. And Moses would go, was gone so long that when he came down, the people had forgotten. And they had gotten Aaron to make a brass image of some kind of an animal. And they were having a big dance party. And Moses was so disgusted with the people of God that he cast the stone tablets down and broke them. Now, that was Mount Sinai. And uh, the writer of Hebrews said, we're not come to that. We're not come to that terrible place of scare and fear and the law. We've come to something better. All the way through the book of Hebrews, the theme is someone better. Better than Moses. Better than Aaron. Better than the Old Testament sacrificial system. Somebody better. So in verse 22... He comes to the other side of the mountain. He says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just man made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So what he's doing is giving a comparison. He begins this chapter by saying, Wherefore, 
connecting chapter 12 with chapter 11, all the wonderful roll call of the faithful in chapter 11. And then he says, wherefore ye, you're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. As we cast off every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Then he reminds us that when we get out of fellowship with God, he disciplines us because he loves us. He treats us like his own children. He doesn't dislike us. He doesn't discipline us or chastise us because he dislikes us, but because he loves us. Just like you discipline your children because you love them. So does God. Then he comes toward the end of this chapter to say Jesus is our refuge. Now you remember the mountain, the Mount Zion, uh, or rather Mount Sinai, and how the people were afraid. <clears throat> they feared when they looked at that mountain and they saw what it was standing for, all the laws of God summed up in 10 commandments. And they were afraid and fearful in their hearts. And the writer of Hebrews says, you don't have to be afraid. We have one who kept the law. We couldn't keep it, so he did. And the reason our faith must be in Jesus is because every one of us has broken the law of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. So when you come to Mount Zion, remember to Mount, uh, Mount uh, Sinai, remember you're not coming there anymore. You're not coming to the law. You're not coming to say, I have to keep the whole law or else I'll go to hell. He says, we've already had one who kept the law for us. And so you're coming beyond that. You're coming to Mount Zion. And he lists that as saying the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Well, you can't beat that. We've come to the one who knows how to deliver us from ourselves. The word salvation means deliver. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And that word can be interpreted unto deliverance. Deliverance from ourselves. Deliverance from our old bondage. Deliverance from our old selves, our old sins. Deliverance from the snare of the devil. We've been delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God. How wonderful. And Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Then, in the last few verses, he gives us another warning. Jesus, our warning. Now you think of this. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more 
I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Now you think of that. The, this is the warning. Don't refuse him. Don't refuse him. Somebody already theme song like that. Don't refuse him. It's a dangerous thing to fall in the hands of a living God. The one thing that I think hurts the heart of God more than any other thing, any other thing, is trotting under our feet the blood of his only son. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. And for us to blasphemously or in arrogancy or in pride or in neglectfulness just go on our own way and reject and refuse what Christ has said to us. That hurts the heart of God. There are two ways to do this. Number one is to totally reject Jesus. There's no way to heaven except through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. God doesn't have plan B, C, D, and E. He doesn't have another way. There's not a Muslim way and a Mormon way and a Baptist way and a Church of Christ way and a Jehovah's Witness way. There's only one way. That's the reason sometimes people look at Baptists with a scoff and they say, you think you're the only ones going to heaven. No, we don't either. Everyone who has come the blood-sprinkled way, trusting Christ as Savior, is on his way to heaven, no matter what he's called. I'm a Baptist by conviction. I believe that what Baptists teach is closer to what the New Testament teaches than any other group I've ever heard of. That's the reason I'm a Baptist. But far be it from us to say that Baptists are the only way to heaven. We're certainly not. The way of the cross is the only way to heaven. Only Jesus is the right way. And so if we reject him, there's no other way. The church does not do it. Denominations do not do it. Living a good life, turning over a new leaf, trying to quit this and start something else, none of that does. But when we come to Christ and really get serious about Jesus Christ and ask him to come into our hearts and be our savior, our sunum bonum in the middle of the wheel of our life, the one that is most important to us, then there's a holy tryst. And when we read in the Bible, thou shalt not commit adultery, we're not going to get mad at God and say, God, you've asked me to do something I can't do. God wouldn't ask you to do it if you, if you thought you couldn't. He gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you and to prompt you and to knock on your heart's door. You can't come to Christ and keep on cursing him and swearing at him and blasphemously taking his name in vain telling these smutty, dirty, filthy jokes. You can't do that. 
if you're serious about the things of God. Now remember, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Just because a person makes a profession of faith and cries a few tears doesn't mean he's on his way to heaven. Only those who repent of sin, put their faith in Christ, turn away from themselves, and turn to Christ and ask Jesus to be the living Lord of their lives. They're the ones that are going to heaven. And the, the reminder here is don't refuse him. Don't refuse him. The second way that we can go away from Christ is to know him as our personal savior and then ignore what he teaches. Now that's possible. You know, an unruly son or daughter can grow up in a godly home and ignore what mother and daddy teach. They bring shame on themselves. They bring hurt to themselves. And in their early life, they bring discipline on themselves. And when they get older and are gone from home, they bring shame on their parents. But they still bear that name. They're still their children. And I'm going to tell you, it's possible, terribly possible, to go so away from God that you forget who you are. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. So it is important for each of us to remember day by day, who am I? Who am I? I'm a Christian. I'm God's child. There's some things I cannot do. I will not do because I've met Jesus. Back to the cold world, I will not go. Back to the old things, I will not go. I've had a glimpse of Jesus. Let's pray. <coughs> Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God in all of its sparkling beauty. We pray that Anyone in this place tonight or within the sound of our voice who is not saved will come to Jesus. May this be an hour of victory. We pray that every believer will look into his own heart and just say, thank you, Lord, that you've lifted me out of the sinking sands of sin and planted my feet on solid ground of Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. What are we singing? 353, why not now? 353, let's stand as we sing. <clears throat> why not now? Whatever God has said to your heart tonight, let him have his way. If you're not sure you're saved, you're not positive beyond the shadow of a doubt that you'd go to heaven if you died tonight, come and let's get that settled tonight. Let's do that. If you need to come and just kneel at the altar and pray, do what God tells you to do. While we sing, will you come?